Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. All right, welcome back, buddy. We are back in the, you know what we haven't talked about, which is really good? The fact that you never do intros? Yeah, well, that, and we haven't talked about the booth forever, and I realized that, and I thought, good for us, so let's not start. That's although, great. Although it looks better. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes it's really nice to not talk about the booth whatsoever, and I, I think this is one of those moments. Yeah, all right, so we didn't, again, talk great. about the booth, uh, almost. <laughs> um, so, Greg, we have a great guest, um, and she typically works very close to you, but she is not. she's on the phone right now listening to us somewhere in the middle of New Brunswick. Um, and her name is Kate Wallace, and she is the executive director of ArtsLink NB, New Brunswick. Um, welcome, Kate. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Greg. Happy to join you guys remotely from uh, the upper St. John River Valley. Is it And is it beautiful up there right now? It's gorgeous. I just drove by uh, the longest covered bridge in the world in Heartland, and it's always pretty staggering to see it. Um, the river is so blue today and the forests are so green. It's really like, it's the kind of day that after the winter we had, you just feel like, yes, I remember why I live in this province yes. and its beauty is so apparent. <laughs> yeah. Totally. So people can Google longest covered bridge and they'll know exactly where you're at and hopefully it'll be like summary pictures so they can, they know, they'll know exactly what you're looking at. So Kate, tell us a little bit about, um, ArtsLink and what you do and, and uh, how exciting it is to be supporting artists doing what they do best. Um, and just give us a bit of a, a, an overview. Sure. Well, um, I've been running ArtsLink for a couple of years, but the organization's been around since 2009. And it was founded at that time um, because there was this feeling that there was no uh, place, no organization where all the artists of New Brunswick could c get together, um, sort of in a literal sense and, and in more... Uh, metaphoric ways too um when you look at arts links name i mean the link is a big clue to what we're all about which is connecting artists and arts organizations to each other and then uh but even what really gets me excited more than that is connecting them to the rest of new brunswick society to broader trends in uh the worlds of innovation um to what's happening in our region and beyond so um we're a provincial service organization for artists. Um, we represent artists of all disciplines, and that's really exciting, too. So it becomes this mixing ground for the writers and the dancers, theater artists, uh, visual artists, of course, multidisciplinary artists, too. Um, they're all welcome under the big ArtsLink tent. And, um, and Kate, I, I, you, know, you, you mentioned linking these, uh, these stakeholders together. What is that big challenge that is not unique to New Brunswick? It would be, you know, a shared experience with artists in many different communities. But you guys are really solving a problem here, which is artists tend to work in silos. And um, why is that a problem? And how is it that uh, Arts League is actually um, starting to solve that? Yeah. Well, it's a big problem because if the artists uh, don't know 
who and what's going on. There's a lot of lost opportunity, not just for the artists and for ArtsLink members, but for um, the business community, for social development. Like there's a, a missed opportunity there for the kinds of partnerships that are like really there's no end of places where the arts belong. I think the artists are isolated. Um, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, partly it's geography. A lot of artists are living. I mean, I'm just coming from Florenceville today. We're doing a forum in uh, Carleton County in November, and we're going to have a, a focus on small and rural uh, communities and the artists who live and work there and looking at their particular challenges. I mean, sometimes it's an issue of geography. Sometimes it's an economic thing. A lot of artists are seriously underpaid. And so that presents some challenges as far as them just kind of getting out. You know, many artists are working two jobs to make a living, so they might not have the time to connect. So at ArtSync, we're trying to make it as easy as possible for them to know the jobs that are out there, the uh, opportunities for residencies, the opportunities to show and share their work. And then, um, and then we're trying to generate a bunch of programs as well that address other gaps that we about from our members. Well, and, I, and I wanted to I want to ask you about one in particular, one program that you've been sharing with me, which is very cool. Um, but before I we go there, um, maybe you know you could help educate us, or probably more me, um, on you know why is it so important to have a kind of a robust, rich um, um, arts community within you know your your city or your province or your country. There's a few reasons. I mean, one of the most uh, basic and important is that if you don't have art in your life, I, I don't really think you're human. It's a way of connecting intellect and emotion and ideas. In uh, it's a way of expressing our experience of the world mm -hmm. beyond uh, you know just text or talking. Although certainly those aspects of expression are part of art as well. It really makes us fully human. Um, there's the whole Richard Florida school of thinking about creative communities and that that's where people want to live is places that are rich and interesting and uh, creative experiences. And then I think there's a, um, a broader sense too coming out that this is kind of the economy of the future, the creative economy. You know, we've had the industrial age we're in the information age, but some are actually saying we're moving into what they're calling the creative age. And that's uh, an economic stage where creativity is the most valued skill. Mm -hmm. um, if you have artists, you've got that in space. Right on. Well, that's it. That's it. Now, you're talking about, you know, not being a whole person. That, what if, and I'm, this is, I'm go, like kind of diverging a little bit from the conversation, but what if, you know, you, you're good friends with someone who just doesn't have appreciation for hockey? And and mm -hmm. no understanding of that at all. I'm looking at him you know right what? now. I'm going to punch you in the face right now. <laughs> I mean, that's not a whole person as well, because there's artistry in the in I that game. Listen, I appreciate sports. I appreciate <laughs> hockey. I know the art to hockey. I'm just not going to hockey games. Oh uh, well, he's trying to throw me under the bus, Kate. Yeah, I just gave it. No, but in all in, in all seriousness, though, you got there's a. I mean, I think there's a number of cool programs that you deliver. One in particular, I think you got you just gone through a pilot, if I'm not mistaken. And mm -hmm. um, and can you tell me a little bit about that? You know, you and I have had some conversations about this particular program because uh, it just really struck sure. me as interesting um, in terms of what you know you got. You know, you're really focused on accomplishing and, and how you're supporting uh, maybe one of the gaps for for some of the artists anyway. Yeah. So really, from our members, the two biggest things that they're missing are business skills 
and then that sense of connection to the broader uh, community. So on the business skills front, um, in uh, early in the new year, we launched a program called, we've called it Catapult Arts Accelerator. And what it is, we took the accelerator model that's really came out of the tech sector to uh, accelerate the, the business development of prototypes, and we've applied it to artists and cultural entrepreneurs. Um, so it's a three-month program. It's uh, intensive. It's a small group, and we basically put them through um, what's a really challenging and intense period of uh, exploring their art practice in more of a commercial context and looking at how can I be an artist in New Brunswick and sell my work to the world? How can I be an artist in New Brunswick and make a full-time living from my work? Um, how can I be an artist in New Brunswick and not feel that I might have to move away because I can't find the market that I need or the support that I need here in my backyard? Mm, and and, and Kitty, with the... Uh with exploring this, have you found any answers? Uh, again, this is such not a unique to New Brunswick issue. Uh, anywhere that's not Toronto, Paris, <laughs> Vancouver, Montreal, uh, New York, any of these large centers where the, the art scene is incredibly well supported um, can relate to this. So what are some of the findings that you found about f- people who want to draw inspiration for their, for their art from where they call home? and actually make mm-hmm. an international impact. What, what are some of the things that you found? Well, I think, first of all, you need to have the skills to understand how to start to seek out those markets or at least know where to turn for help. So there's that very nuts and bolts kind of part of it. Um, I think the second part is, and it could be that a culture of um, confidence, and perhaps this is a... In New Brunswick, you know, we very much are, uh, we value modesty and there's a kind of cultural humility and that definitely is in the culture sector as well. So I think oftentimes people are like, yeah, my work is good enough for New Brunswick, but they might not, um, they might not realize that it, it actually will stand up regionally, nationally and internationally. So it's having the confidence and then that network of support to, to test those waters. Uh, and I mean, surprised Greg Hemming is not a speaker at that because you've done an excellent job of being, you know, taking a being a visual artist and taking it out to the world, Greg. And in all seriousness, I know as this is me being nice now, trying to make friends with him because he's because <laughs> I throwing him under the bus a second ago. But um, but really, I mean, you 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 would have had this experience as well, wouldn't you? Well, the the nature of the business of the creative side of of filmmaking, it's completely export. Otherwise, it's impossible to do it. So uh, that's why I think it's really awesome what uh, Katie and Archlink are doing is really bringing artists uh, who by nature are entrepreneurs, just as much as by nature entrepreneurs are artists, uh, bringing them into this worldview of, uh, uh, you know, that, that, that they do have the opportunity to, to create, you know, to touch a market that is global. And that's the way entrepreneurs think. You know, for the most part, and they think, okay, here's, I'm going to create my product or service locally. How do we get this thing out of here and, and touch as many people as possible? Um, I know artists want that as well, but n- not all of them have been inspired or mentored down that way, you know, and I, I think well, that's what's really unique about what you guys are doing, Katie. I think too, I mean, a broader goal that we have with the accelerator is that we want 
to begin to develop, and this is very much a long-term goal, is that culture of entrepreneurship in the arts and culture sector. Um, there is still kind of a pervasive sense that if you're focused on commercial ends, that you're selling out, or that there's going to be some kind of creative compromise involved. And, I mean, the accelerator is not for everyone, but for those artists who are craving that um, that support on the business-slash-entrepreneurship front, I think that what we're seeing is it's very empowering for them to get those skills. And it enables them to focus in a way, um, in a way to separate into two people. There's the entrepreneur on the one side who knows how to handle that business end of things. If that's really well managed, your creative, uh, the creative side of your arts practice should actually flourish because you're freed up um, from those issues that maybe bogged you down in the past. Well, what I was, actually, I was just going to say, like on the, and I think you and I may have chatted about this already. Uh, Kate, um, you know, I, I see that in the coaching world, you know, and and the reality, <clears throat> and I don't, and maybe maybe there's a parallel here. You can tell me from your perspective, Kate. Um, but I mean, like, you know, if you're not, unless you're, um, you know, somehow financially independent, and you you know, or, or or you know, well, have independent wealth, and but you know, most of us don't have that. And if we want, and maybe our art would be coaching. If you want to be out mm-hmm. using this and developing this and growing, um, you want to be making money at it. Um, and that helps you pay for your bills at the very least. And, you know, maybe you get some profit out of it too, but you know, the, the sooner you figure out how to, how to make money doing something you love, um, the, the, the easier it is to help that skill grow, flourish and develop. Is it, would it be the similar, would it be similar you think from in, in your, in the arts community? I think so. And you know, it's in some ways I've been thinking a lot this year about the idea of value and values so you know what what are the values that we hold dear and how do we show our value of something and money is just a a mode of expressing uh what we think is worthwhile and what we care about so maybe um you know we've been talking to some of the participants in the accelerator um about that idea of it is uh, an expression that the money isn't actually like at this cold and personal thing that it can be a, almost a connection in a way to um, a new audience and new patrons. Absolutely. Which is, you know, that's very much art speak too. Like it's, I, I'm, I'm, I have as much to learn in some ways as our participants do. Um, like even the vocabulary that we use in the arts, uh, thinking of, we don't say customers very often or markets. You know, it might be, oh, I, I'm, I'm trying to get into a New York gallery. You wouldn't hear artists say too often, oh, I'm trying to break into the New York market. Um, really? Isn't it interesting? So yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's quite a big um, mind shift. And the financial, I mean, to me, you know, uh, being successful, you know, financially successful, or it's just, it's really more of a means to an end to be able to really tap into that, you know, that skill you have, uh, whatever it may be, you know, and whatever expression it is. I mean, but if you're struggling to make ends meet and you've got to wait tables or do whatever, um, you know, that's those those every hour you have to make ends meet. That's that's away from your whatever your domain is um, is less time spent. You know, really developing and honing that. In my opinion, yeah, yeah exactly. And that goes back to I guess what I meant by empowering is that maybe you you know if they come out at the end of the program, hopefully they have a sense of how to uh, to not have to wait tables and. 
for a lot of artists, I, I think we see this more in craft, but a lot of them have already figured out how to have more kind of bread and butter streams to their practice. And then there's maybe more the pure um, arts end of the practice. So like a lot of potters will have a production line and then there'll be more like the gallery or museum type pieces that they make that might not be as commercially viable. So sometimes it's figuring out that um, almost like a bit of a quilt and how you piece together that making of a living. I, I suppose in a, in a perfect world, and this is probably the way it was many, many years ago when uh, the, the top of society were the philosophers and, and the artists. I suppose back then there was a, uh, a societal value and priority to support those people so that that's what they could do because there was an understanding of incredible value of what those practitioners would bring back to society. Um, but that mm-hmm. doesn't really exist anymore. So, I, you know, I, it, I, I always contemplate, Katie, when you mention the purists who, you know, think it's a sellout if you're making money from your art. I just can't argue with people like that. It's, uh, it's really difficult. So what do we want? Do we want creative people to be poor? Like, is that, is that how it, uh, it comes? Thank you for your creative input into the world. We really appreciate it. I really hope you don't have enough money to uh, to live a, <laughs> an abundant life, but keep on creating. You know, is, is that a little bit of the the attitude, do you feel, uh, with that perspective? Well, yeah, I have so many reactions to that statement. I mean, I think historically, if you look at who was paying for the art, it was, um, you know, the very rich and powerful people, and often the art was an homage to them. So, you know, this idea of, like, pure creative expression is a little bit... <laughs> It wasn't always that way throughout history. Like when you look at filmmaking, for instance, there's an understanding that, like I think there's already that culture of business uh, built in there. In a way, you know, when you say art, people think about like paintings hanging on a wall in a gallery, and that's so limited and limiting. So perhaps if we can, uh, within the arts, sector have people understand that uh, some of the sectoral ideas, um, for instance, in the film community, that it, that it is an industry, that's what I'm trying to say, um, would be healthy. But also having people understand, and, and this is a really big, like having the public understand that artists aren't just like cute hobbyists doing things for fun, they're professionals. Um, like a scientist who goes into their laboratory to explore ideas. I mean, that's what artists are doing. They're working out the big uh, ideas and issues of a time and of, of their own experience in the studio. Um, I don't think that that short-term mindset that we're, or mind shift that's going to happen, but it's definitely very much on our radar of arts link. Well, I think just having this conversation is helpful. And, um, you know, and, and actually you always say it, Greg, like everyone is creative, right? You know, and it just creativity shows up in all these different forms and ways. And, um, and I, you know, it was really helpful for me, a book that I read a while back, the ta- A Whole New Mind by Dan Pink. I don't know if you've read that, Kate. Um, no, I haven't, but I... Oh, it's, it's fabulous. Now, it's, a, it's, probably, it's probably eight, nine, ten years old. Um, okay. and, and, and what Pink was talking about, he's a, and he's, he's a great, he's, I really enjoy his writing style. 
um, is that you know the the world, and he's he's actually talking kind of to the business community, but but in general, he's saying that um, you know if we think of left and right brain, you know, left brain being the kind of that automated, mm-hmm. logical, sequential side of our brain, and the right being the creative side. Um, he his his theory, and he's got uh, a, you know kind of a bunch of ways to, to to help people understand this is that you know the the um, the you know so much now is automated that we don't require the same level of left brain thinking. In other words, the left brainers kind of ruled the world, being the lawyers and the bankers, right? And that now, as you see, you know, you look at something like an like Apple being this you know fabulous com- and you know all the all all the high tech companies. I mean, it takes it takes both right and left brain, right? And and the book's all about how do you how do you actually help uh, grow and build and develop that right brain thinking for people that are more left brain thinking, right? And you know you know learning how to paint and and all these fabulous things, going to a laughing school. I mean, all these things that talk about expression and creativity, and the fact that that now what's required the world requires us to have a little bit of both. And, and that, to me, is the convergence. That's the merging of these communities, right? We're recognizing that both are valuable. It's not one or the other. Yeah, I mean, Apple's a great example. When you look at their second most uh, powerful executive is their designer, well, and it, which is quite a uh, sea change from the way you typically think of corporate structures. Totally. No, and I mean, and you just look at the products, how, how they come to you like i mean it's beautiful <laughs> like i mean and i'm i mean i just love their products and 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 you know you come to appreciate it and you come to pay for it and you i start to appreciate design in a whole different way if i think of that you know as an example of someone who's a neophyte in that area but i i just it's really cool and creative and yet um you know they've got huge market presence so um but so what so what do people how can people learn more about you know, what you're doing and, and ArtsLink and just even for those of us like me that maybe need to be educated more, um, how, how can we go about doing that? Uh, well, you can certainly uh, visit ArtsLink online and our social media channels are really active. And even if you're not an artist, there's probably uh, a lot of articles and events that, uh, that the general population would find interesting. Um, we also are, I mean, we do a lot of communication, so we have a great newsletter. It's free. You can sign up on our homepage. And what is your URL? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. It's uh, artslinkmb.com. Great. And then the other thing I would say, I would really urge people to not, the arts has this patina of intimidation around it. You know, a lot of people feel like, oh, the gallery is uh, a hoity-toity place, and if I don't have $10,000 to spend, I can't walk in or that the ballet is weird, or theaters for, like, you know, um, it's not for them. I really urge people just to to support the artists in your community and realize they are um, professionals, and, and don't be nervous to engage with that work, even if you're not quite sure what's going on. That's the fun of it and the beauty of it. That's awesome, Katie. In fact, I was going to ask you to, uh, to to end our conversation with with a good inspirational note like that. And uh, I'll, I'll ask you to do one more, which is if there are artists listening to this or entrepreneurs listening to this, what little bit of advice would you give to both of those groups to consider working a little bit different as they as they build their uh, their craft? Well, it's really simple. I would say if you're a business person, um, and you don't, you've never worked with an artist, 
invite one for coffee. Tell them what problems you're having. Maybe they'll have a creative solution. It's not just about creating stuff. It's the way artists think. And uh, I think the business community could, could far better benefit from that. And I would say for the artist entrepreneurs out there, um, same thing. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone and, uh, and, and talk to those people in business and, and look for ways to work together. Uh, that's a great idea. And, you know, on that note, I just, um, th- th- this is kind of an interesting uh, intersection. Um, and I will do this again, and I hope soon. I worked recently, a, a group came in and said, could I moderate a session? I said, absolutely. And by the way, and I, I hope I got the term right, we, you know, they, we have a graphic facilitator with us. I think that was the mm-hmm. term. Yeah. And man, was that fun. It's cool, isn't it? Oh, it just added so much. And so her hmm. name's Susan, and her last name escapes me. We should actually, we should actually date her on here. <clears throat> but she is the whole time, well, you guys know what it is, but I mean, I've never actually worked with someone. I've seen it. I understand the concept. But it was such, so brilliant because... Then we, we got away from the words and we could and then I could get people to do like a wall walk, you know, after a certain part of the conversation. And, the, you know, and it was so cool because she was catching people's expressions. She's catching ideas with words. And it was just it was so, so cool. And I just think it was so powerful. But there was a really neat intersection of, you know, doing business, you know, moderating a conversation, but also facilitate, you know, like using art to help, um, uh, you know, add to the dialogue. So, yeah, so, as so you just, say, it really reflects that dynamism of, of art uh, in a context you might not typically think, you know, that kind of facilitated discussion. Um, I, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that that's something you've experienced, Dave. Yeah, and I would, and I would be happy, happily do it again. It was so, so valuable yeah, it, for it's, me. Yeah, it's cool. Instead of taking notes, you got someone drawing pictures. Wow, like, you know, it, yeah, very cool. Well, this, this has been awesome. Katie, um, you and I literally work between a, with with a, a, a pane of glass separating us. <laughs> we work in the same office, Dave. So I get to see this I amazing know, person all the time. Week. And guess who? Guess who lined up the interview? You and did. She's sitting right across from me. And so I so Dave's very proud because he actually lined this interview up because <laughs> uh, he hasn't lined up an interview in twenty guests. Uh, well, so. not twenty. Come on, <laughs> but close to. Katie, thank you so much. Have an awesome drive up in the beautiful Saint John River Valley, and uh, we will see you. Hey, maybe tomorrow. I'll see you tomorrow in the office, Greg. I miss Thanks, you. Thanks, Dave. See Kate. Okay. Thanks so much Bye-bye. for coming on. Take care. My pleasure. Bye-bye. So takeaways, Greg, for me are just, um, I actually, I think Kate does an awesome job of just kind of expressing, um, you know, the importance of, of uh, you know, the, that the whole community that sometimes when we're in business we forget about or some people forget about. Uh, I have the luxury of like having been brought, I mean, I'm very fortunate. I was brought up you know, we'd go to the Nutcracker as kids, you know what I mean? So, you know, mom would always get us to ballet and to theater and to art gallery. So, so you know, I, I can't, I you know, I could learn a lot, but I mean, I think maybe early on I had uh, an appreciation via, you know, and, and, and the way she would uh, introduce it to us was very cool. So I feel very fortunate from that standpoint. And as I listen to Kate, I just think she's doing, a, she's a, a great job of kind yeah. of bridging that conversation. And, and she gets it too. Like oh, she, totally. she comes uh, from with a journalism background. So she understands how to bridge different perspectives together. And this is exactly what we're talking about. Right. You know, and talking about entrepreneurs uh, embracing the power of creative artistic output and artists uh, embracing the power of entrepreneurial um, uh, building uh, methods and philosophies. So I think it's great. And I guess my takeaway is that very one, like what you said, if you're an entrepreneur, 
take out an artist for coffee and vice versa. If you're an artist, take out an entrepreneur for coffee. Uh, and it's amazing the collaborations that can happen. And Greg Hemmings should watch a hockey game and just try to get with some you. inspiration. With you. Exactly. I am going to probably go see a Cubs game in Chicago. That's, that's not Baseball. <laughs> But this is a sports game, oh, okay. and it's 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 after my first night of seeing the dead. So I can see Grateful Dead, awesome. see a baseball game, see Grateful Dead, see Grateful Dead again on the third night. Uh, but that'll be a little bit of sports to me, so it'll be good. Good for you, buddy. Excellent. All right, Dave. We'll see you next right, week, bro. man. See you next. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. I'm Matt Cundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.